Hello, and welcome to IRI Growth Insights, featuring IRI thought leaders, industry partners, and guests. For more than 40 years, IRI has been known for its invaluable data, but these podcasts delve into the insights the data reveal to fuel market disruption and market growth for those in the CPG, retail, healthcare, and media markets. I'm your host, Joan Driggs, coming to you from IRI's corporate headquarters in Chicago. Welcome. In this episode of Growth Insights, we'll be providing a pulse on fresh. I'm joined by IRI's fresh expert, Jana Parker, principal of IRI's Fresh Center of Excellence, and special guest and IRI partner, Anna Marie Rorink, president of 210 Analytics, a research company that specializes in food retailing. Today, we're going to be looking back both at the highs and lows of 2021 but also looking ahead for a fresh outlook of 2022. Since March of 2020, Jana and Anna Marie have collaborated on reports of departments across the store. So we, I really encourage you to visit iriworldwide.com fresh foods to see these full reports. So 2021 was a wild ride for fresh with departments like deli and bakery re-engaging with shoppers. Um, and I want to ask you both, and John, I'm going to start with you. Can you give us like a quick assessment of the year? Yeah, you know, I think what's so interesting about 2021 is that certain things were as expected. We fully expected because delis and bakeries, for example, had been closed and hadn't been as in demand, we expected a comeback from those areas and we saw it. But I think what 2021 showed us was you can't always expect things to be exactly as you predict in terms of the drivers. For example, there were a couple of things that were really unique about 2021, um, even just within Delhi, um, you know, there's really a focus now less on scratch cooking. And even though 80% of meals are still made in the home on average, you do see a emphasis on convenience or building the meal, right? You might buy a protein from the meat department, but then augment it with side dishes from the deli or something more turnkey from the frozen department. And I think that trend is more like what we saw before the pandemic than now. We also definitely saw a return to small gatherings and an opportunity for a lot of um, various categories to really focus on, I wouldn't necessarily say premiumization as much as little pockets of enjoyment. So for example, we see tremendously strong sales in specialty cheeses, charcuterie meats, things that take the everyday and elevate it a little bit. We also had an excellent year in Perimeter Bakery. And that was really because when folks were starting to gather in small groups, they went ahead and you know wanted something turnkey and easy, and maybe they could portion out. And Perimeter Bakery was a good source for that. Yeah, so there's um, definite themes that we're seeing throughout all the different departments. And, and of course, there's always the regular forces of uh, demand and uh, you know, trends in the marketplace, but certainly a lot of what happened in 2021 depended on what happened in 2020. And so what we're seeing is, as Jana talked about, bakery and deli did not have a great 2020. So they had a massive comeback in 2021. Uh, we saw frozen and meat be in very, very strong departments in 2020. So that meant that their path to growth is a whole lot harder. 
So that was one thing. You really have to look, like as an industry, we've always looked year over year, but it's really important to also look at where does demand sit relative to that pre-pandemic normal? And, and Joan, you mentioned the reports that we put out every month. That's exactly what we do. We look at what was it year over year, but also what was it against that pre-pandemic normal of 2019? Now, of course, the other two areas um, are absolutely supply chain challenges and inflation as well. And that's where we see uh, a variety of different reactions from the consumer but by and large, uh, echo Jana's comments that I thought the records of twenty two of twenty twenty would stand for a long time in many departments, and yet uh, virtually every department reached new dollar records, and that was just incredible to see. So it's interesting because it's not just those departments that I saw some really interesting twists and turns in; it was across channels. Um, you know, how people were actually shopping for groceries. So things, you know, at the outset, you know, you were talking about 2020 and what an exceptional year it was. Well, it was really exceptional for grocery because everyone wanted their full basket in a one-stop shop. But as, you know, we gained a little bit of mobility, we really saw that like things like club and mass um, really made some gains. So I'm wondering, and Anna-Marie, I'll start with you on this one, what investments did you see those channels make that really kind of um, fueled their path to growth in 2021? Yeah, I think uh, the two you mentioned, super centers and, and club, are very interesting because, of course, they're known to somewhat of an easy shortcut to pay in a little bit less. And what we're seeing is in past years, there was a very specific path to save during times of high inflation, during time of recessionary pressure. And a lot of people would start with eating out less. Well, we were already doing that. A lot of other people would say, I buy what I always buy, but I'll buy it on promotion. Well, there were fewer promotions out there, uh, not just in 2020, but again in 2021. So what we're seeing is a very different path to saving and Typically, what we saw is bulk discounts, so buying more than you need to save over time. That was always reserved for those who could, because you have to have the income in order to invest in price like that. But what happened in 2020 is we saw an enormous saving rates, and we saw, of course, government support. So people are sitting on a little bit more money than they have been, and that's why we see things like BOGOs and bulk and channels like super centers and, and club do extremely well. Um, but really one of the bigger stories to me is the fact that specialty organic channels have not really come back. And in talking to a lot of consumers, what I hear a lot is, well, you know, when I was trying to combine all the items in one trip, I discovered that the supermarket up the street actually had way more organic items than I realized. And so I think that might be one of those areas uh, where we're going to see sustained changes because of the pandemic. Yeah, I would agree that the specialty and super center, I'm sorry, the specialty and organic store, the health store, we also saw softness in the discount grocery channel. I think that's going to shift as we go into 2022, because again, as Anna-Marie said, about 90 some odd percent of consumers as of December 2021 are concerned about high grocery inflation prices. Discount may benefit from that, but I think the pandemic colored a lot of our patterns in another way. 
initially you went to the grocer down the street because you wanted to limit the amount of exposure you had to other people. And then you did discover that they had quite a bit of offerings. But when we started to see the gains that a lot of traditional grocers made erode already by the fall of 2020, that made me think it's assortment. There's a little bit of the assortment story. Long before we were really talking about mass supply chain disruption and heavy pricing in the middle of this year, we did already start to see that growth, you know, the super center especially start to gain back share. And you asked about investments. I think of all the amazing things Anna recovered, the one additional I'd add is way before the pandemic, both major mass super center national retailers made significant investments in their fresh foods departments, not just produce and meat, and not just in the ways that typically a grocer would. They made a conscious decision to really hunker down on what the grocers weren't carrying, right? What was unique? What could they carry beyond the basics that are expected that would be something exclusive to them? And I point to specific, you know, there were whole item launches that have really only happened in those channels because they have the scale to make or break an item nationally. Those really, the things that they were launching were right in the home of the three main drivers we have of consumer purchase, convenience, premiumization or exploration, and healthfulness. Right. I mean, those retailers have some unique items in all three of those areas that you won't find at any grocer, even the top ones that we know nationally. I like that notion of like the convenience, that exploration um, and health. And you know what? That kind of leads me to the other channel, um, e-commerce, because e-commerce you know, went exploded and it's still growing really strong, um, both with like, you know, home delivery and click and collect. So what do you think, like, let's focus more on like the whole fresh and what do you consider to be some of the continuing or ongoing barriers? And John, I'm going to start with you here because I know that this is your deal. What are some of the barriers for people really making the leap and um, kind of holding back that continuing growth? You know, I think the one that goes without saying when it comes to fresh foods for e-commerce is quality, right? There is, you know, we, we recently did some work with the Produce Marketing Association. It's now the IFPA, um, as they've merged with United Fresh now. But as of last year, with e-commerce, there was still about two-thirds of Americans who told us that they wouldn't buy produce online. And I know we've seen and heard similar things about meat, um, you know, the big banner points of fresh. But there is still a lot of folks who are dabbling in it, right? They're, and that dabble really relies on, yes, quality is what I see, what I get, is what I, is what I want, what I get. I think the grocers, and I'm talking, I think that the retail channels have gotten much better than they were three years ago, especially in fresh fulfillment and also in quick recovery of shoppers. Um, definitely at almost every grocer now, if you get a pint of raspberries and they have some mold in them, you can quickly get your money refunded or get a replacement out to you. Those types of things are the one that barrier. But I think the second barrier, which will take a collaboration between the suppliers and the retailer, is that we need to be able to offer what people want and make it easy to find. We all know that fresh foods is a little bit different when it comes to consumer marketing and marketing investments than maybe the bigger 
CPG, like carbonated soft drinks and frozen foods, which have obviously invested copious amounts of money to make their online platforms and digital marketing really sing. But when it comes to fresh, a lot of times beyond the basics, finding those options are hard. And that's something I've talked about now for about three years. And I think that that's going to be the barrier. You know, the situation right now among consumers is very few are exclusively online shopping. But the majority of American consumers today solve their grocery needs by a mix of online and in-store. And while, yes, there's some of those who would never buy fresh online for personal choice reasons, I think there are still many, many more who would dabble if the experience of finding what you want was better and the ideation of it was better. For example, when you type into a search bar, which is the most common way that people fill their basket other than loading what they bought before, you type in bread, you have to go through pages before you see a fresh loaf. I think that really is one of the many examples across the industry where we could get that sale online, but we're kind of forcing people into the store. And by the way, because I am one of the victims of this, I find my fresh loaf. And then how do I ask to have it sliced? I mean, it is, it's so frustrating. So I'm with you. And I could not agree with you more. Search, search, search. Help me out here. Um, so Anna Marie, I want to shift to some of the different perceptions um, or behaviors that consumers have around inflation. Like you had mentioned, you know, that there is inflation and we've seen inflation, you know, kind of swing crazily from one category to the other. Um, how are you seeing consumers change their behaviors based on it? And let's like, for example, I'll take meat. You know, some of the inflation in the meat department is in the double, uh, double digits. So are people trading down to different cuts or are they kind of still sticking with their known go-tos? You know, in, in past years, the, the beauty of, of having done research in, in those categories for so long, both Jana and myself, is we've gone through the Great Recession. We've gone through the times where beef was extremely high. But the, the difference now is that there really is no escape. Um, I, I mentioned the drought that, that really pumped up the prices of beef. Well, that's when we saw people switch to pork, to chicken, etc., everything is more expensive now. And so it's a lot harder to switch around. Additionally, if you think, for instance, about chicken, a lot of people would say, okay, I'll just buy chicken legs or chicken thighs because they're cheaper than chicken breast. Well, a lot of those old wisdoms are not holding up anymore because it is all about what is actually available. I was actually at a, a pizza restaurant a couple months ago and much like you would have, uh, let's just say, clams or shrimp at the market price, it was actually chicken wings at market price. Um, that's how crazy this is. So uh, we've seen very different behaviors, uh, but I mentioned the savings rate earlier. We have not seen as much reaction as you would have expected based on the price because people have realized more than anything that cooking at home is significantly cheaper than, than eating out. So I think there is still a little bit of the delighting, uh, doing in-home entertaining, but just also a nice meal for the family um, and, and just really skipping between eating out and then you know still cooking a nice meal at home. So for the most part, we're just kind of sucking it up and then we'll complain to family and friends about the high prices that we're seeing. And again, you know, maybe going back to some of those channels, that's where we'll see some of those specialty 
um, organic or even discount retailers regain some of that some of that share, right? I think the other thing to that point is we have numerous examples where we can't just say the price of everything is up and consumers will respond the same across the board. What we're seeing is the basics that people are buying consistently. Those are starting to become your competitive bellwether signs, right? Where retailers are using them with hot prices, promotions. If you're known as more of a high-low retailer, some things like ground beef or even steaks, right? That people know the price of good or bad because they've been buying it for two years from you. But I also think that this, you know, trade down from people not eating out as much could also be a huge benefit for different suppliers throughout various departments. We're seeing things that mimic takeout or restaurant type foods do extremely well, which is why I keep going to the one, you know, we like to say it's premiumization, but I still think of it as exploration. People want to trade out from their everyday. Well, the way we used to do that, right, is we'd mix it up and go out to a restaurant on a Wednesday to feel different than our boring, same old, same old. Now we're doing that in home. We're trying new recipes. We're inspired by walking past different types of flavors and options. And oh, by the way, that's about half as expensive or less than trying a brand new restaurant. So I think this concept of really tapping into our flavor exploration and our want to change up the everyday is a huge opportunity in 2022. And whether you're a discount super center or traditional grocer, if you help tap into that, I think there's tremendous amount of goodwill that you'll earn. You, you mentioned that people aren't eating out as much, and, uh, and that's due in large part because Omicron has really reared its ugly head. We're still riding that that wave. Um, do you see maybe a return to some of the stock up behaviors that we saw earlier in the pandemic, or are those tr- types of trips mostly over? Initially, when IRI and, and myself and many others started doing surveys about the level of concern, so I'm talking about March 2020. We were looking at 60-70% of people being extremely concerned about COVID-19. Now, if you look, despite the fact that Omicron appears to be the most infectious one of them all, and, and many states, many countries around the world have the highest numbers they've ever seen, that level of concern isn't anywhere near what we saw initially. In, in fact, the last December survey by IRI said about 33% were extremely worried. So with that comes... A, a lot of people are still out and about, but B, I think as the food industry, we've done a tremendous job giving comfort to people that the supply chain will hold up. That yes, you might end up in the store and maybe um, cream cheese will be out or your favorite brand or your favorite size or something will be out. But by no means are we dealing with conditions where the entire store is empty. Like we saw it in that third and fourth week of March. So I think it's a combination of we've, in a way, learned to live with this. Um, in a way, we have proven to consumers, like, if we don't panic, we all do better. And I think another part of it, too, is, is simply the fact that um, consumers can also stock up for other reasons, and that's inflation. And that's where we do see uh, departments like meat do very well in bulk. And that brings me back to an important statistic, and that is 30% of Americans expanded their freezer capacity in 2020. So they bought an extra fridge for the garage or a standalone freezer. 
So that means we have a lot of emphasis on, I can actually forward buy, if you will, as a consumer. So stocking up, I think, is not necessarily always related to COVID, uh, but I certainly do not envision the same kind of waves that we have been seeing early on. I like the I like the high five to the industry for, you know, making people feel more confident that products will be there, even if, like you said, it's not their go-to. And I want to say too, at the from the very outset, retailers in particular did a fantastic job of just making sure that people feel safe um, in store. So, you know, double good job, right? So as we look out to 2022, I'd like to get both of you to kind of um, give us a, a what you think is happening with the landscape. Again, we're still very much in the midst of Omicron. Um, we continue to see so many more of our meals prepared at home. But, you know, is it going to be more convenience, exploration, health in 2022? What are we going to see? And Jana, let's start with you. Yeah, I mean, given that those three have been typically one among the magic mix of growth in the last 20 years, I think those will definitely still color. But I believe that there's some behaviors and just some ways that we shop now that will stick with us for long lasting. That concept that maybe what I showed up to buy isn't what I'll get really disrupted tried and true consumer purchasing you know, decision trees, as we call them in the industry. And I think it made folks be more, be more used to adapting. I think also those money saving behaviors have gotten much more complex and savvy. And, you know, ultimately, on top of all of this, we have the disruption that the overwhelming majority of Americans no longer open up their circular ad on Wednesday morning and write out a list. List making fulfillment is a dynamic mix of being inspired by something online and maybe using your digital assistant to add to your shopping list, maybe having a collaborative shopping list with different people. Those triggers to buy are not always what a lot of people in retail think about now and have really embraced. So I definitely think the word also that's going to enter our lexicon this year even more is how do we embrace this digital and in-store symbiotic relationship. And if you look to other industries outside of retail grocery, let's say clothing retail or books, they very much become a, an intertwined online, social media, digital showrooming with still some in-store experience. And I feel like that's where food retailing is going to go. And 2022 will be the year where we look back and go, hey, wow, we should probably start to change how we promote and how we ideate and how we show. There's little starts to that, but they're more of the, you know, the, the one I point to that we haven't talked about is I think one of the bell, one of the things we'll look back on in this decade that was one of those banner shed moments was when a major brand of cream cheese decided to run an entire ad campaign in holiday 2021 about how they were out of stock and they would pay you to buy something else in a whole other department of the store. That way of thinking was radical and yet made sense to almost every consumer who saw that commercial and they appreciated it. And guess what? The sales of cream cheese were actually better in 2021 than they were in 2020, even with limited stock. Those kinds of they make sense to the consumer, but we in the industry look at it and go, <gasps> I think we're going to see more of those in 2022. And it's going to be centered on embracing different ways of marketing, different ways of ideating that blend digital, 
cross department and really focused on the consumer. Yeah, I'll add on to that. Um, I think we're going to see a continued development in, in packaging solution, um, especially in, in seafood and meat. We see some very, very neat solutions where all people have to do is turn on the oven or the microwave, put the meal in, and you have a delicious, almost restaurant-like uh, meal. And it's not just your, your chicken nugget type of meals. These are high-end steak sort of meals. So I think packaging is, is going to be a big area of, um, of development, absolutely convenience. And, and a lot of people don't look at it wide enough, I don't think. Uh, it's not just about ease of preparation. It is really everything from what am I going to have for dinner tonight to uh, ease of shopping to ease of preparation and ease of cleanup, which is, again, where those uh, ready to cook uh, packaging comes in. Uh, but I think a third really, really big one. So I was on a podcast the other day and, and this lady asked me if you could give retailers one type, one tip, what would it be? And it caught me completely off guard. But my answer was to delight. And I, and I stick with that because we do see more people having that online, offline. We buy a little here, we buy a little there. And we still live in a world where, you know, we're not going out and about as much. We might not be traveling as much. And so what is the way in which other industries, John, you mentioned clothing and books and, and think about Disney. How does Disney, you go to Disney and you're like, you know what, I'm going to pay for the ticket and I'm not going to spend money on anything else. Two, three hundred dollars later, they have figured out how to delight you and how to pay way more money than you ever thought. And I think that is something that we need to do in retail in 2022 to continue our growth. Well, you might not know this, but my motto has always been make the shopper the hero. So I think that that fits in so nicely with delight. So um, I'd like to just recap some of the some of the great content, some of the great insights from from you both today. Um, we're still looking for convenience. We want to like sales remain very strong and things that are special for socializing or elevating that home at home experience. And because 80% or more of our meals are made at home, this is really going to continue. And I really liked um, Anna Marie, your comment on what that path to growth is going to look like, because it is going to be different for all these different departments across the store as we continue to remobilize or as we continue to work from home and it's going to look very different so we can't expect the path to be the same for everyone. Um, that club and mass channel where historically shoppers were known to shop to save money, even that's changing. You know, these retailers have invested heavily in things that are more unique to them. And Jana, you kind of really focused in on convenience, um, ex exploration, and health. But I think it's also where, you know, they, it's also been kind of impacted by how we're saving money, you know, whether it's bulk or lack of promotions, um, things are shifting there as well. Um, we talked a little bit about e-commerce and how retailers continue to break through the barriers to fresh, um, especially with um, delivery, but you know, really the search is so key and I am totally with you there. We need to make products easier to find online. 
Um, we talked a little bit about inflation and one answer to inflation has been restaurant quality, you know, almost going like up again. If people, it's a, it's a page out of the last recession, people are not eating out. Um, and even though we have to trade down in many places, if we're trading to something that is really good quality, um, we're a lot easier, it'll, it's a lot easier to buy, I guess, is what I'm saying. And then looking ahead into 2022, we're gonna continue to see, as we have for many, many years, growth driven by convenience, exploration and health. Um, but that we, because of these shifts in the supply chain, you, you see that consumers are more open to new things. You know, they're more open to just figuring out what their list is gonna look like as they shop in store or online. And that we can anticipate continued development in things like packaging, um, again, for that restaurant quality experience, for the ease of prep, the ease of cleanup. Um, but at the end of the day, let's we can all learn a lesson from Disney and learn how to delight um, the shopper. So with that, I want to thank you both again for your time and your invaluable insights. This is always just such a highlight for me. Thank you. Agreed, Joan. Thank, Thank you. you all so much. We'll talk again next month and see what the numbers show. Thank you for listening. Please become a subscriber and let us know what you want to learn more about. We'll serve it up in a future IRI Growth Insights episode. Look for us wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to review IRI Growth Insights. Also, visit us on the web at iriworldwide.com and connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn.